Winter Boots and Heels, the Walk in Our Shoes podcast, where we explore various perspectives and routes into agriculture with the aims to educate, empower, ensure that two people from different backgrounds can both find and maintain their place in the industry. So I'm Lizzie and I recently found my passion um, for agriculture a few years ago. I did find it quite, um, well actually very striking at first, how detached we are from our food and the people who drive the industry. Um, and that's been a real eye opener for me. I'm Becca and I have lived on a farm since I was a child. Um, but I do find it fascinating to see how far agriculture can reach people from all walks of life and all backgrounds. Uh, we're hoping that that's something we can explore further, further in this podcast. Um, and as Lizzie said, uh, try and create an attachment between people and agriculture. Yeah, I think that's really important, um, Becca. So with that said, today we are going to talk about who we are, a bit about um, Boots and Heels, what our aims are going to be and some of the exciting, exciting plans we've got for the future. Um, we do have quite a few in- interviews, plans, um, some events coming up and yeah, just give you a little bit more of an insight into what this, all- this is all about. So yeah, who we are? Becca, where do we start there? Who are we? Gosh. (laughs) Well, I guess if we go right back, uh, as I mentioned, I did grow up on a farm uh, in glorious North Yorkshire. Don't know why I'd want to live anywhere else, to be honest. Um, So we initially um, were a mixed uh, livestock and arable farm, um, and now we're just um, arable with a few bed and breakfast cattle. Um, well, I actually probably should answer what bed and breakfast cattle means. I'm not making their beds and changing their sheets <laughs> on a morning. Uh, but we have a slight hand in looking after them and uh, they have use of the buildings and uh, some of the fields. Um, so I always thought I did want to be involved in agriculture somehow, um, you know, with a career in it. Uh, but there didn't seem to be potentially enough work on the farm for me at home. So. Uh, I went off to university, uh, studied human, social and political sciences at Cambridge, which, nothing to do with agriculture. Uh, (laughs) But to get me back into agriculture, I went to the Royal Agricultural University and did my master's there. Uh, So that, not a well-trodden path between those two uh, degrees, but it's the the way I chose to do it. Um, but Lizzie, similar for you, nothing really agricultural in, uh, in your degree? No, not at all. Um, so I didn't come from an agricultural background um, and I kind of fell into the industry actually. So um, I did my BA in English Language and Linguistics. So at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. It was more of what I was passionate about. And from there, I did my MA in um, Design. So I focused on kind of marketing and um, advertising, which I thought was um, going to give me some practical experience. So then I started working at Venkomatic UK and I was really kind of introduced to the industry from there. And it's been such a journey to understand the processes, to um, meet some amazing people I mean obviously you Becca Um, (laughs) but no um, I never thought I'd get into agriculture can I ask you a question then so first started out in poultry which you could say is quite a specific part of agriculture Mm -hmm. what would you say was your biggest misconception 
Quite a big question. Oh, that is a big question. Um, okay, I think the biggest misconception for me is the concept of free range. So I think when, as a consumer, I mean, certainly from people I grew up with, we assumed that free range was the fluffy videos you see from supermarkets. Um, you know, you've got your farmer in his straw basket collecting eggs and, you know, all the hens are everywhere. But actually, what you don't realise is there could be 16,000 birds in a shed. There could be 32,000. There is a difference between organic. There's a difference between free range, barn. But what I love so much um, about the industry is the constant developments to enhance welfare that you perhaps don't see behind the scenes. You just think that if a hen or a chicken is on the grass outside, then it's welfare. But actually, there is so much more to it. What about you? I know, obviously, you haven't had um, necessarily a big poultry shed or anything. So what did you find when you kind of came into this sector? So probably one of the things which stood out to me, um, well, a few a few hens in the field is nothing compared to some of the scale of um, some of the sheds that we would be dealing with day to day in our job. Um, but the technology at play is something I did not anticipate whatsoever. Um, and again, just touching on what Lizzie said, the way that technology is used to enhance welfare in these sheds is just, well, mind-blowing in some cases. And, and the time and investment it takes to, well, to think like a hen, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Are you going to start pecking on the ground in a minute? <laughs> But yeah, no, it's been very, very interesting. And I guess that's where our idea of Boots and Heels came from. So you're from agriculture, I'm not. Um, and together we've got completely different perspectives, but we're both so passionate about the industry. You know, um, you're, you often find you in your gilet, 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 <laughs> gilet and wellies, <laughs> and you'll find me in... Heels. <laughs> and a dress. And, and a dress. in the office. Well, of course. But <laughs> that doesn't take away from the fact that although we're from um, different perspectives and different backgrounds, we both want to make a difference in the industry. We both want to see change and we both want to be there for the future, you know? And it doesn't mean that just because, you know, you've grown up in an industry that you're not learning stuff every day um, of how things can be developed. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, throughout school, um, throughout university, I never really thought of agriculture as an option. I never thought of it as a career path because it wasn't talked about. You know, um, farming was just some guy in a field with his cows, quite frankly. You know, we didn't have any real education on it. And I think that's really sad because... It's huge. It's a huge industry. There is so many different diverse careers. You know, it's not just field work. You know, you've got project managers, you've got designers, you've got um, people in finance and every single person makes a difference in the industry and gets your um, food to play, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So in regards to what we're going to be doing on this podcast, um, we have got quite a few exciting plans with some interviews across different sectors. So, no, Becca, we're going to be looking at young farmers, um, yeah. women in agriculture. That's right. That's right. I think 
both of those really important topics actually for getting people into the industry. Um, as Lizzie said, you can sometimes view farming as, oh, it's just, just an old man in a field somewhere and just, you know, toddling along. But actually, um, we need more young people in the industry. We need more women in the industry. And I think for the whole, really, it's opening up to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we're going to be looking at um, current current relevant news, things like um, renewable energies. You know, you've got the NFU's 2040 target to net zero. You've got um, the 2025 commitment to um, cage free. So there is so much that we do want to delve into. It's just fine in the... Uh, can't squeeze it all into one podcast, can we? <laughs> so... Yeah, if you said you started um, in agriculture, Bex, and you grew up on a farm, what did you find that your biggest passion was growing up and being, being part of that, you know, being involved in, in the farm life? Well, I mean, it depends how far back we're going. My biggest passion when I was about five was my pet lambs. And <laughs> those pet lambs were probably treated better than we were as children. Um, I remember pet lambs on leads, pet lambs with coats on, pet lambs in the house, <laughs> pet lambs in the dog bed. <laughs> no. So when I was younger, that probably actually really helps you to kickstart a kind of a thought and a passion for agriculture um, when it's so easy accessible like that. So actually it's probably recognising that not everybody does have the chance um, to do that um, and probably there aren't enough options um, for children at the moment to see agriculture kind of in practice um, but as I said the farm's now um, arable really um, and so it's very very interesting uh, to see technology developments uh, precision farming um, and things like that which are contributing to efficiency in the in the sector as a whole um, and actually an efficiency which we can't really live without um, for food production. No, I think that's um, quite interesting what you said there about children having access and, and being accessible to um, visiting farms and understanding that. I think that's particularly um, more, how can I put it? You can notice it more now with the pandemic. So, you know, it's very um, difficult one to go out and about because of lockdown but two to kind of keep that because there's such barriers there mm -hmm. um, and I think hopefully after the the pandemic's over you know people will be much more inclined to um, go out and, and see where these things come from you know well this is a, a question then do you think the pandemic has put people a bit more in touch with agriculture and with where their food comes from Oh, um, do you know what? To some degree, yes, because I feel like um, quite a lot more people want to have appreciated um, their food, because especially when there was a lot of panic buying and, you know, people were stocking up and it was, oh my gosh, what, what if we don't get um, enough food? What if we don't produce enough? And, you know, shelves were empty. But actually, I think a lot more people now are shopping local. I feel like they're appreciating that smaller businesses need that business um, and they're venturing out and, and perhaps that'll continue after lockdown. Yeah, that's a, a good point. And actually, hopefully it will continue. It's a really kind of reassuring and nice feeling to know that 
small producers, local producers are valued by um, by the public. Yeah, I think that's um, definitely something I'd like to see continue after lockdown. Um, I mean, I've certainly been buying more local as of late. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, interesting, interesting. So tell me, Becca, if we're going on this one, an interesting fact about you that our listeners might want to know. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, there's not much interesting going on in my life at the moment. Is there not? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do actually have an identical twin sister. Um, she incidentally actually is also involved in agriculture and working at a livestock auction market. Um, so keeping agriculture in the family. That's um, cool. I love Rosie. She oh. is a dream. <laughs> you can tell the difference as well, which is... Uh... <laughs> yeah, not on your baby photos, though, may I add. If anybody would like to see their baby photos, head to Becca's Twitter, because <laughs> I could not tell them apart. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> that photo as well. Love poultry from an early age. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So, tell me an interesting fact about you, Lizzie. Hmm. Well... Apart from the fact that I'm always smiling, most I mean, of the time. That's a very good. Fact. <laughs> no, um, something completely non-agricultural. Well, good. That's part of this uh, part of the podcast, really. Okay. So, um, when well, a few years back, I've always been a huge Taylor Swift fan, as you know. You know, you'll always find me listening to <laughs> to a bit of Swiss. Um, I made a skirt for a concert which I went to, um, well, for one of Taylor's concerts, and it was a, a skirt made out of Polaroid film. And um, I put it on the internet, didn't really think much about it, and then during the um, the show, her mum found me and asked if I wanted to meet Taylor after the uh, the concert. And we had, it was amazing. I got an autograph and a picture and there was pizza, and yeah, it was, yeah, goals. Like <laughs> yeah. So, Becca, you were saying to me that you have to do a bit of public speaking for young farmers and you've got quite an interesting topic to debate. So I was wondering if you could maybe talk a bit more about that today. Yeah, that's right. So um, I have got our Northern Area uh, public speaking competition. Um, Actually, which is just a really great opportunity to practice public speaking, you know. Um, Imagine you're giving a presentation at work or school or university having a bit of experience beforehand is just absolutely invaluable really um just improves all your skills but yeah um we have got an interesting um motion um really quite a current one as well um and it's actually about um livestock worrying and whether dogs should be kept on leads um and you know kept under that sort of control when you're walking across farmland uh, so I'm not sure if you've um, seen much in the news recently, more in the farming press really, um, so maybe not so widespread, but uh, livestock worrying, particularly sheep worrying, is becoming um, really quite an issue at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the, it's hard to pinpoint reasons, but actually it's great that people are getting out in the countryside, fresh air, exercise, um, but it's just maybe, are we lacking a bit of education on um, on a bit of kind of a country code with dogs when you're out and about? Yeah, I think that's, um, it is an interesting topic. And I've seen quite a lot on um, social media lately 
you know, people posting about it. Um, I've seen some horrific, you know, images and it makes you wonder, um, could we be doing more? You know, I don't really think um, until I was in the industry, until I've been reading um, agricultural magazines, that I really understood the how big of a problem it is and how awful it can be, you know? Um, and maybe it is a lack of education. Mm. You know, I'm going to probably sound a bit um, uneducated here, so do help me. Um, but I mean, is it at certain times of the year this happens or is there um, a way to prevent it or anything like that? So time of year, that's really, that's an interesting question. Um, there's times of year when probably it will cause even more damage. So, for example, at the moment, um, a lot of um, adult sheep, which you'll see out in the fields at the moment, will actually be in lamb. Um, so they'll be expecting, um, you know, due to give birth in the next weeks and months. Um, so that's obviously, as you can imagine, a really crucial time for the sheep to be kept as calm as possible. Um, and obviously, even just a dog walking through the fields can sometimes even disturb this, let alone um, a dog which is chasing them around um, off the lead and, and out of control. Um, so I'd say it's definitely a problem any time of year. Um, but particularly at this time, it's it's not just the damage to the sheep itself; it's potentially the damage to uh, the unborn lambs as well, yeah, of course. Um, which just makes it even more devastating. Um, I think farmers are often considered quite a hard breed, and don't get me wrong, they really are to deal with um, some of the some of the jobs they have to do and the weathers and and etc. But um, there's really it's a pretty yeah. emotionally devastating thing. Um, for farmers to have to go to and you've seen grown men cry to be honest when they've uh, when they've seen the damage um, that's been that's been caused to their sheep so it's just a really really sad event to occur and I think what's also sad is is the consideration that actually it, it could be your dog which is, is shot at the end of the day and mm -hmm. farmers end up being within their rights um, to do this so all round it's just a lose-lose situation. See I think um what a lot of people don't realise is one, the emotional attachment there, you know, it is devastating you are looking after these animals but also that this is a business you know, this is a business and that's important you wouldn't go into um, somebody's shop and start letting your dog run loose, you know and tearing everything up, it just wouldn't happen so why is it acceptable or, you know um, not educated about on on this side i think that's interesting exactly it's a it's a really important point that that you kind of forget sometimes that farmers do have to try and make a living out of their out of their business as well and it should be treated in in any other in the same way as any other business um really with the detrimental impacts as you say if a dog went and, and damaged products in a shop for example there, there could be outrage um and people would be, you know, people would be shocked that somebody did let their dog do that. And mm -hmm. repeatedly, these these incidents, unfortunately, aren't a one-off, um, you know, just in a, a small location and it's one dog, you know, once in a blue moon. Um, it can be over and over again, and particularly farmers who find themselves um, in kind of popular walking areas or, or whatever um, are probably even more subjected to it. So is the best advice then for, you know, someone like me, um, 
who, who walks my dog quite regularly. Um, I mean, I do keep my dog Maxie on a lead anyway, but would you suggest that the best prevention for this is walking on a lead at all times, unless, of course, it is an area that's stated otherwise? Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Um, keep your dog on a lead at all times. And I think there's sometimes I thought, oh, well, there's, there's no sheep in this field. It's fine. But all it takes is for your dog to get a bit scared or to get on the scent of something and they're into the next field and the next field before you could even catch up with them. So I think dogs on a lead at all times is just the safest, um, the safest way to go about things. Safest for your dog and for any livestock that you may come across. Um, there's obviously sometimes a problem if dogs escape from gardens, which you think might be secure. So um, I think it's really good to check your garden, just as farmers you know, are expected to keep their stock in. If you can keep your dog in when you let, let them out in the garden, again, that can only, can only help for the well-being of your dog as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think as well, um, you've not only got the option, I guess, of, you know, um, a lead to walk your dog, but they do, um, I don't know if you've seen them, but a long, very long lead, so they do have a run as well, um, but you've still got control and, you know, they're not going to run off, or if they do, you, you can bring them right back. I think that's important. Exactly. Another option, because I completely appreciate, you know, you've got your dog and you might have, you know, an average size, size garden and you think, well, I can only walk them on a lead or let them have a little run in the garden at home. Well, actually, and it, they seem to be coming, um, becoming more and more popular, is um, kind of enclosed dog walking areas. Um, so they're completely secure. Your dog can be off the lead. Um, and I think it just gives peace of mind for all people involved, really. Your dog had, has had as much exercise as, as he needs um, and nobody's been harmed in the process. You know, um, while we're on the topic of dogs, it's actually something that's come to my attention recently. And what I've really been impressed with is um, shepherding, you know, um, with your dogs and sheep. Yeah, I think that is amazing to be able to have that control and train over your um your dog mm -hmm. i think that's amazing and, and to be able to do that you don't usually think about think about it and how much effort must go into that exactly and the amount of well the value that farmers place on their sheep dogs is well they often say no no, no amount of quad bikes or or land rovers or whatever um could replace a good dog um, because these dogs can just get places where you wouldn't be able to get and they can find sheep which you wouldn't be able to see yourself so they're absolutely amazing some of these dogs um, but then again these dogs they get back and you will see them sitting by the fire or by the arga back in the kitchen <laughs> at home <laughs> so it's not all hard work for them so yeah if any of our listeners do have any pictures of their sheep dogs please or even just your dogs um in general do send them uh, in and tag us at boots and heels that would be be brilliant we'd love to see them <laughs> yeah we always we always love a good pupper <laughs> Well, I think this has been really, really interesting for a first episode. Um, well, a little bit about me and Lizzie, uh, but hopefully we've got some more interesting people and things to talk about in our coming episodes. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been um, great to hear both of our perspectives, um, share a bit about us and what we are aiming to do, and hope, I guess, that you can join us on the next one. So are you off now, Becca? Yeah. Better get cracking with my debate. Don't I, let the team down. I'm excited to hear it. <laughs>
So uh, if you have any questions um, on what we've talked about today or any comments or just want to get in touch, uh, please do so and we look forward to hearing from you.